As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back to Dr. Isabel's Rants. Um, a warning. Tonight, the program is going to be fairly controversial. Uh, you may think I've completely lost the plot, but there is so much information coming up which is revealing the truth, which is, yes, they do say truth is stranger than fiction. So, um, all I can say is hold on to your hats, and uh, if you are of a faint disposition, I suggest you either get somebody else to listen with you, or you possibly might want to um, switch to one of the other W4CY uh, radio sister stations. To set the scenes... Uh, or the scene um, and how people in power deal with us. Um, I'm going to read you an excerpt from Wake Up World, How Aristocracies Are Born. And it's by Josh Hoxie, who's a guest writer there. And he writes, our country is on track to be ruled. It's the state. Our country is on track to be ruled by the children of billionaires. Our ancestors recognized this and took action. We can too. 
And that's very, very important. And it's not just for the States, it's for everywhere. This year's stock market saw high returns for months after months. As retirees and stock runners alike saw their portfolio rise, then one day this fall, the market took a turn and all of the increases of this past several months vanished. That's how it goes for the market. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. For the three wealthiest families in the country, however, the market only ever shoots skywards. The Waltons of Walmart, the Cox of Koch Industries and the Mars of Mars Chocolate own a combined $348.7 billion. Since 1982, their wealth has skyrocketed nearly 6,000%. None of the living members of these families founded the companies from which their fortunes come. All were started by earlier generations. In fact, more than a third of the Forbes 400 inherited the businesses that generated their wealth. These modern wealth dynasties exercise significant economic power in our current gilded age of extreme inequality. A new report I co-authored with my colleague Chuck Collins at the Institute for Policy Studies, Billionaire Bonanza 2018, looks at the rise of these wealth dynasties. The Forbes 400 combined own 2.89 trillion, we found. That's more than the combined wealth of the bottom 64% of the United States. The median family in the United States owns just over $80,000 in household wealth. The richest person in the United States and the world, Jeff Bezos, has accumulated a fortune nearly 2 million times that amount. These pictures paint a grim picture of wealth inequality in the United States in 2018. Wealth is concentrating into fewer and fewer hands while the rest of the country struggles to get by. The one in five families has zero or negative wealth. Two in five Americans couldn't come up with $400 if they needed it in an emergency. Previous generations tried to warn us about economic inequality. Former President Teddy Roosevelt said in 1913, of all forms of tyranny, the least attractive and the most vulgar is the tyranny of mere wealth, the tyranny of a plutocracy. A generation later, Supreme Court Justice Louis Brandeis warned in 1941, we must make our choice. We may have democracy or we may have wealth concentrated in the hands of a few, but we can't have both. What can we do about this money issue? Yeah, exactly. And for a time, we heeded these warnings. Wealth and income inequality peaked in the 1920s before the passage of high personal income tax rates on the rich, the federal estate tax and other inequality fighting public policy measures took hold. Americans enjoyed a general flattening of the economic pyramid up until the 1980s when the modern period of tax cuts for the rich and austerity for the rest of us began. It's safe to say that a country in which three individuals own more wealth than half the country, as Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett do now, is not what Brandeis or Roosevelt hoped for the direction of the country. Without action, French economist Thomas Piketty warns the United States will devolve into a patrimonial capitalism, where the heirs of today's billionaires dominate our politics, culture and economy. The good news 
is we have a solution to avoid this. A smart step forward would be instituting a federal wealth tax on assets above $20 million, which would raise an estimated $1.2 trillion over 10 years that could be invested in generating economic opportunities for low-wealth families. Another good idea is to tax large inheritances, people's genetic lottery winnings, as ordinary income. There's nothing natural or inevitable about wealth dynasties. Our ancestors recognized this and took action. We can too. Um, one of the things I've been harping on about is, uh, and you will know, um, basic income, where all the other social service things get put aside um, and a basic income for everybody from the age of 18 until they die. Uh, we did a program, I think last year or the year before, when the Swiss were doing a referendum ab about this. It's well worth looking into because it certainly has a huge impact on mental health and basic income has a positive impact on mental health. He didn't mention for some reason the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers um, and the JP Morgans who really are the power behind the throne worldwide. Um, Bill Gates, yes, Bezos, Koch and all the others agreed but Rockefeller and Rothschild and JP Morgans, they have been there for centuries. These are not new moneyed people. And when one of the Rothschilds, when asked um, what he felt about starting the Federal Reserve Bank, that is, uh, he turned around and said, oh, we had nothing to do with it. And it's just that they're just trying to deflect the whole thing. Now, I want you to bear this in mind because they have a, an input in everything, into our politics, into our businesses, into our healthcare and education. All right. So now we're getting to the nitty gritty. And sorry if anybody feels um, unhappy about it or discussed it by it because it is when I read it I, I come from a background where we've been in the resistance and we've been looking behind the scenes and everything else I've grown up with this but there are still some things that shock me um, I knew about it but on the other hand somehow when somebody comes out and proves it to you it's it is amazing so here we go First article um, is written by Sarah G, who's obviously the founder of Green Med Info. And the article says, whistleblower pelvic exams on anesthetized women routinely performed by medical schools without consent. And that's one of the things why I always tell my patients, make sure when you sign the consent, consent form, you say no to student training and you say no to keeping the, the DNA, the, the pieces of you there examining or taking out like tumors and things. Really important. Right, here it goes. A medical student turned whistleblower reveals how his school forced patients to become unknowing victims of what could rightly be called medical rape. Standard hospital intake forms 
can hide blanket consent to unauthorized invasive exams of the most intimate parts of your body, all while you are under anesthesia. Anesthesia. Can't even get that out. As US medical student in 2011, Sean Barnes underwent the standard AMA sanctioned training on his way to becoming a licensed medical doctor. But an experience in his third year of medical school would haunt him for years to come. Sean was so bothered by the experience that he expressed his concerns to the school administration, only to be met with indifference. He pressed on in his effort to expose the problem, writing a paper on the matter that was published in 2012. What happened during his med medical education considered the gold standard in the United States that made such a negative impression on this young physician. For Sean, now an MD, it was a serious ethical and moral dilemma, which he describes in a YouTube uh, channel filmed as part of a planned documentary called At Your Cervix, C-E-R-V-I-X. In the clip, Sean explains how third-year medical students are required to perform clinical hours in various specialities, such as psychiatry, surgery, and obstetrics and gynecology. During the three to four week gynecological surgery rotation, Sean was asked to do something as part of his training that he considered a serious breach of ethics and patient's rights. He was instructed to perform as many as 100 unauthorized pelvic exams on anesthetized, unconscious and unconsenting women. Sean shared his experience with filmmaker Amy Jo Goddard, another maverick who is bringing exposure to this controversial training method. Discussing the scope and frequency of the practice, Sean and Amy estimated that as many as 6,000 unauthorized pelvic exams could have been performed by the students in his class alone. But Sean is not only alone in his outrage. A 2001 University of Toronto study found that nearly half of the 108 medical students polled felt pressure to act unethically in a clinical setting, and 61% reported witnessing a clinical teacher acting unethically. Students further cited that practicing on unconscious patients without prior consent was a serious moral issue. And yet, the medical establishment remains largely resistant to change. All this was with no permission is a question coming in. Yes, and it happens not just in the States or Canada. It happens everywhere because I checked and uh, one of my cousins is a um, dentist and he also studied um, normal medical, i.e. for being a GP. And he is 72 now. He's retired and he would never allow his parents, he was an only child, his parents to be operated on without him being in the operating theater because he said, you have no idea what's happening there. You don't want to know, but I will be there and they will not do anything that I, you know, I disagree with. Um, Unfortunately, his wife had to undergo some operations and he, he couldn't stand there and watch her being operated on. Um, 
and he asked a friend of his and he, the friend turned around and said, sorry, I can't do this. Um, and he is fairly certain that while his wife was undergoing going brain surgery, there were some other investigations that had nothing to do with the brain surgery. So this has been going on for decades all over the place. Anyway, Sean shared his experience. Uh, sorry, we've already done that. Um, in Sean's case, when he challenged the establishment at his school, administrators frowned on his assertion that anything was unethical and were patently unwilling to consider terminating what they considered a highly efficient practice. Undeterred, Sean focused on legislative change and was eventually successful in spurring the passage of a law making the practice illegal in Hawaii. There's a question coming in. Could you imagine what people go through under anesthesia? Well, exactly. That's the whole point. Um, what happens to the ones that speak up? Yep, exactly. Good question. They're not that many. It's made, there is a point made to them that they want to work, so they better shut up. This bucking of the system did not come without personal cost. There you go. Sean was blacklisted from applying for residency in Hawaii due to his activism. Besides Hawaii's recent ban, unauthorized pelvic exams are explicitly outlawed now in California, Illinois, Virginia and Oregon. The practice is legal in all other states. And, well, I suppose, I haven't looked at it, but I assume it's also legal here in the UK um, and all the other places of Europe. Hospitals get around lawful and informed consent by including language in standard intake documents explaining that medical students may be involved in their care. That's why I keep telling my patients, no, you write it on your consent form, you refuse students being around. That's at least something you can do. Women who are in hospital for any type of gynecological surgery could become victim of this practice, regardless of whether a pelvic exam is indicated in their particular hospitalization. In states where this practice is not outlawed, women undergoing gynecological procedures who sign these standardized forms are essentially signing away their right to not participate in training exercises involving multiple students performing an intimate and invasive exam while they are unconscious. Now, I had a patient who had very severe abdominal problems and we finally found out that while she had a hysterectomy, it wasn't actually the consultant surgeon who performed this hysterectomy. It was two, not one, two trainee gynecological surgeons who performed that operation. Now, the consultant, before she went into the operation, told her that her case was very extraordinary, very difficult, and very complicated. Um, they told her about the risks, etc., etc. They never once mentioned, and it was not on her consent form, that there may be student surgeons trying their luck with her. It was horrendous. It was a litany 
of trouble and she is suffering for the rest of her life, which is horrendous. I mean, I've tried to help her as much as I can, but when surgeons do wrong, even I can't help to make everything 100%. Anyway, a brief examination of the 2005 essay, Pelvic Examinations Under Anesthesia, an important teaching tool, highlights some of the reasons why this training practice has become inculculated. Some physicians argue that an anesthetized body allows for a better exam due to muscular relax relaxation and that hiring professional or standardized patients, as they are referred to by academia, is simply too expensive to be a practical solution. The growing public awareness of the commonality of sexual assault, even by doctors, renders these reasons overly simplistic. More importantly, these arguments are dismissive of patients' rights. While this practice may represent the ideal training scenario for some medical school administrators, it is inarguably that all patients should be fully informed regarding what is to take place, including risks, benefits and potential complications while under anesthesia. Slipping vague boilerplate language into standardized forms should not meet the criteria of informed consent in any state or nation. The right to agree or not to agree to participate in student training exercises is another point to which people feel an anonymously strong accord. Sean Barnes' 2012 paper published in the Journal of, Obstet of Obstetrics and Gynecology posed the obvious question regarding practice exams. Why not ask first? Question coming in, if it was better to do it while people are in anesthesia, why don't they do it all the time that way? Um, no, I think they do it because if you were um, awake, you'd probably complain. Even if you agree to it, um, it's... Uh, it's, it's really, you know, if you go to the gynecologist to have an ex examination because there's a problem or to have your smear test or something like that, you're prepared for it. Um, to do it under anesthesia, I can understand that that's not a good way because, you know, it takes... Um, <laughs> many women would... <laughs> No, they would not. Many women would want to be under if that was the best way to do it. No, they wouldn't. For a simple smear test or something like that, you wouldn't put somebody under for the simple reason that there are so many risks involved in being anesthetized that this simple procedure, which takes, what, not even five minutes, um, that it's it's just crazy to do that under anesthesia now also even if you're under anesthetic for about six, half an hour it takes six months to get the stuff out of your system it's not good right so why are they doing it when people are under well because they assume that they um people wouldn't agree if you have your tonsils out why would you want to have a pelvic examination at the same time for a practicing medical student I mean, sorry, it's the other end of the body, but that's what they're doing. That's why it's also classified as medical rape, which it actually is. You go in to have your tonsils out and somebody gives you a pelvic exam. 
This would seem this is a bad time to do this. Absolutely. You're dead right. Anyway, um, the right to agree or not agree to participate in student training exercises is another point to which people feel in an unanimously strong accord. Uh, we've been there. The trailer at, um, at yourcervixmovie.com offers insight into why this is such an important question one that the medical establishment is slowly being forced to reckon with. In the clip, med students perform pelvic exams on a standardized patient. These professional assistants are trained to provide guidance to student practitioners while exams are being performed, creating a valuable feedback loop that has proven to be an effective and agreeable training technique. You go into get something work worked on and come out pregnant. Now, I don't think you come out pregnant, but you might come out not being able to get pregnant afterwards, if that's what you want. The arguments by the medical establishment against this type of informed teaching need to be challenged. To dismiss the role of a trained human aid for an exam that involves potentially uncomfortable interactions with hundreds, sometimes thousands of patients throughout a doctor's career, is missing a critical opportunity. In this type of supportive and instructive environment, future doctors get feedback from a fellow professional on how to improve their individual examination skills. Standardized patients know their anatomy and medical terms and can instruct students on how to be more precise as well as sensitive to each patient's personal and anatomical differences. This can be important when dealing with overly tense patients, as well as those who are cognitant impaired. Dis to dispense with all these benefits by asserting that the methodology will always be too expensive is a failure to understand what's at stake. Perhaps institutions should consider the cost benefit when compared to potential class action lawsuits by the legions of victims of these unauthorized examinations. Is there no other way to do it like people who agree to be trained on? Yeah, well, that's the whole point. They, they're they saying um, that they can't be bothered to ask people if they can be trained on. Um, and uh, they'll just do it without, without consent, without actually putting the question. Could they not give free work on people if they can train on them? That's actually what they do. But they feel that if somebody is under anesthetic, it's easier. It's, yeah, uh, abhorrent, really, completely abhorrent. And again, it flies in, in the face of the hip. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hippocratic Oath. As news of this disturbing practice spreads, women worldwide are reacting with shock and outrage. The issue received national news exposure in 2003 after the Wall Street Journal, ABC and CBS News ran stories. More recent coverage has added to a growing wave alarm that is slowly being reflected in changing laws and attitudes. Lauren Dobson Hughes, former president of Planned Parenthood, tweeted about the issue in March 2018 and drew an influx of attention through retweets. An article in the online journal Bust garnered the attention of millennials, as did an episode of the popular podcast Throwing Shade, in which a report by the NYU Ethics Division was read detailing the practice. The Globe and Mail, a leading Canadian news publication, published a story in 2010 that was recently updated, claiming that their reporting helped spur a change to Canadian law. Express consent is now legally required in Canada to perform all such exams, which is a step forward. It is really important. Seems like this is contradicting. If you are to do no harm, but you're doing things to people who don't know you're doing it. Why exactly? That's the whole point. They've forgotten the Hippocratic Oath, haven't they? One of the most respected voices in the current discussion is Phoebe Friesen an Oxford scholar who published a 2018 paper entitled Educational Pelvic Exams on Anesthetized Women, Why Consent Matters. The paper gets right to the point. The lack of true informed consent makes this practice indefensible. Foregoing to process of consent within medicine can result in violations of both autonomy and basic rights, as well as trust. Do doctors even still have that oath? Uh, that's the whole point. Certainly in the UK, they don't have to take the oath if they don't want to or if they can't be bothered. Um, they can choose, i.e., in other words, I think it's now seven years uh, that they can choose to take the oath. I don't think on the continent in Western Europe they ha um, take the oath. I do know from Hungary that they do have to take the oath. Uh, because I've got a friend who's two children, a, a boy and, and a girl. They're training to be doctors in, um, uh, well, he, he, Magnus is training to be a dentist and his sister's training to be a pharmacist um, to take over her mother's pharmacy. And both of them have already been told that they have to take the oath, whether they like it or not. And the Hungarians are very strict and they're saying if, you, if you're planning not to take the oath, don't bother studying, get out, which I think is very good, actually. Uh, right. Let's get back to this. And I can't remember where we stopped. The paper gets right to the point. The lack of true informed consent makes this 
practice is defensible, foregoing the process of consent within medicine can result in violation of both autonomy and basic rights as well as trust. Robin Fretwell Wilson of the University of Illinois calls the current standards of informed consent nothing more than modern medico-legal terminology. In her paper on the unauthorized practice of teaching pelvic exams on women under anesthesia, criminal law regarding unauthorized touching during medical exams can be vague and outdated in both language and scope. Laws also vary from state to state. According to an article in the AMA's Journal of Ethics, current laws in some states may provide legal recourse to patients who feel they have been violated. The Ohio Criminal Code defines sexual conduct as, i.e., inserting any body part or apparatus into the vagina or anus without the privilege to do so. The definition of rape and sexual battery include the inability to resist sexual conduct due to physical impairment and or being unaware that the act is being committed. Performing unauthorized pelvic exams to women under anesthesia could potentially meet all these definitions in a court of law. The problem with physical exams stretches beyond non-consent incidents under anesthesia. A recent JAMA review suggests that routine screening pelvic examinations are inaccurate in asymptomatic, asymptomatic women and are associated with harms that exceed clinical benefits. In other words, they are not evidence but consensus-based, representing outdated practices that research indicates cause significant harm, including discomfort, anxiety that research indicates um, that's double psychological effect embarrassment and unnecessary procedures including surgery 1.4 percent of women in one study which is 29 women of 2000 in conclusion please be careful about consenting to routine screening marked marketed as preventive and beneficial, which are not, in fact, evidence-based. Also, please remember not to sign away your rights to be safe, protected, and informed while under anesthesia. Go on the record with your doctors regarding how you feel about this issue. Speak to a patient's rights advocate at your hospital or through your insurance company before undergoing gynecological surgery in any state where express consent for students or instructional exams is not required by law. Consider speaking to your elected representatives or putting your thoughts in writing. In some states, citizens can file initiatives to change laws and create civil protections from public harm. The wave of change to ban this abhorrent practice has begun. We can further it by spreading this message within our own communities. And I think that's really, really important. It's um, horrendous, to be, to be honest, because there are so many uh, examples. Uh, I was going to give you another example, but we're, we're already slightly running out of time uh, with a brilliant article, again, from greedmedinfo.com. The standing number of medical procedures have no benefit, but they cause harm. And it's it brought it very much home to me today when I saw a new patient and she'd had various surgeries, which when I actually... Um, examined her and went through all the questionnaire and did the full consultation, it was very obvious that this was money grabbing and 
the surgery she had or the surgeries she had, including open heart surgery, were not necessary. And she is now suffering from the side effects. And it's horrendous. Uh, question coming in, what if papers get changed after the signing? Well, that's even more illegal. Um, and you can always ask that you have a copy of the papers, um, which I would do if ever I had to go undergo something, but then I wouldn't, I, I, I just wouldn't, as you know. Which ones cause harm and how we, are we to know? That is a good question. What they mean with causing harm is that if somebody trains on you, obviously they don't know what, really what they're doing. That's why they're training. Um, and they can cause injury, but you wouldn't well, you wouldn't necessarily know until afterwards. And then they'll say, oh, no, 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 that's got nothing to do with it. And um, you must have done something, you know. Anyway, more doctors confessing to intentionally diagnosing healthy people with cancer to make money. And I have a very good friend and it's very, very sad. That is exactly what has happened. Um, and it's infuriating because ultimately she's now paying with her life for it. And it's an article by health, healthyholisticliving.com, uh, www.healthy-holistic-living.com. Healthcare should be a good thing. It should be caring about people and their health. It should be including both preventions of health issues and treatments. Doctors should have the best interest of their patients in mind. Should. Unfortunately, often this is not the reality in today's world. Healthcare is a disease-oriented profession that looks at treating symptoms with medication rather than looking at the person as a whole and using both prevention and treatment. Doctors don't always have the best interest of their patients in mind. Medicine and healthcare is a profitable empire. It is a business run by big pharmaceutical companies. For some, it is more about money and profit than our health. Some doctors even falsely diagnose people in the name of money. It's hard to believe, but it's true. The good news is that many of these doctors are getting caught for fraud. With information being easily accessible, it is easier than ever to stay informed and aware. For example, Dr. Farid Fatter, a doctor in Michigan, was admitted in court for intentionally and incorrectly diagnosing people with cancer. Yep, you've heard it right. Patients without cancer have received the scary cancer diagnosis from Dr. Fatter. Not only that these patients had to go through the emotional aspect of such news, but he admitted that he even administered chemotherapy for them. Why? To obtain profits. Imagine being one of these patients. It's hard to describe the agony of receiving a diagnosis of a deadly disease than going through a difficult and incredible expensive treatment of toxic chemicals that come with serious side effects for no reason whatsoever. Of course, they were in complete shock. Dr. Syed Mohammed, a retired oncologist, has said that this is not a new trend. He has seen this already a decade ago and then some. In his, his, in his word, these doctors are unscrupulous like businessmen without conscience. The problem is that instead of buying goods for them, you have to trust them with your health and your life. 
Doctors like this must be called quickly, you would think. Unfortunately, this is not the case either. Dr. Fata kept his scam going from 2009 to 2016. That is seven years. He had a patient load of 1,200 people. Of course, it is possible that some of these people really did have cancer. However, it still leaves hundreds of people treated with chemotherapy falsely, possibly leaving them with serious health consequences and medical debt. During this year, Fata received $62 million from Medicare. Though he received life in prison for this scam, it hardly helps the patients treated under her care. One wants to believe that this is an exceptional situation by one doctor. Sadly, this is something that goes on a regular basis in medicine. For example, patients with prostate cancer receive false prognosis on a regular basis due to the disease's association with a certain protein produced by the prostate gland, yet only 3% of patients die from prostate cancer. Still, 90% of doctors encourage expensive treatment without informing patients that cancer never spreads outside of the gland in 97% of cases to cause harm. Another example affects women. The women are told regularly that they have to have hysterectomies to cure cancer and other ailments. The truth is far from it. Hysterectomies show no improvement in survival rates. Misdiagnosing medical conditions is common. Prescribing medication and expensive treatment for misdiagnosed and even unknown conditions is common. Combating side effects caused by treatment medication with even more medication that may cause other side effects and health issues leading to more medication is the accepted norm. The problem is that there is no profit in preventing disease. There is also no profit in healing disease naturally or at least trying natural methods first such as diet and lifestyle changes. However, there is a profit in expensive medication and treatment. And of course, endless visits to the specialist. The current healthcare industry is not about health. It thrives off of the life of those who are sick. Getting them healthy would not bring profit. Keeping them sick in some way, however, does. The current system is built to destroy our mind, body and soul. How long do we have to stand by and watch what's happening? What can we do about it? If you're dealing with symptoms or have been diagnosed with a health condition, make sure to seek a second and even third opinion to ensure that your diagnosis is correct. You haven't missed anything and received the correct treatment plan for you personally feel comfortable with. If you can, seek help from functional medicine or naturopathic doctors to receive a more holistic care along with natural treatment methods. Whether you're receiving conventional treatment or not, don't forget about the power of natural medicine, such as food, water, sleep, exercise, stress reduction, and other dietary and lifestyle choices. Even if you're feeling good right now, don't forget about prevention. Take care of yourself, listen to your body, and trust its wisdom. It is never too late to make changes. It, is, it feels like too much on your own. Health coaches are excellent guides that can help you through necessary dietary and lifestyle changes. And I think all of you who are listening to my program and have suffered me ranting over the years um, know that anyway, I think, don't you? And I hope I've actually given you enough 
information about these things that you can make an informed choice and can avoid all this by keeping yourself healthy in the right way. Now, we'll quickly move on to some recipes. Okay, now talking about food as medicine and medicine as food, sweet potato and maple syrup are a Thanksgiving holiday favorite. But did you know they are highly therapeutic evidence-based medicinal pairing? I don't think I've done this before. For many of us, sweet potatoes are a once a year decadent marshmallow laden addition to any already overwhelming Thanksgiving menu. But there is no need to feel guilty about eating these hearty and healthy root vegetables and no need to limit them to the holidays. They can be an everyday treat and healthy upgrade to regular potatoes. And adding maple syrup can boost nutrition and flavor. In the United States, chances are whether you're buying something called a sweet potato or something called a yam, you're buying a sweet potato of which there are more than 400 varieties, which I didn't know actually. The name yam was given to a thicker-skinned, moist, sweeter orange flesh variety in the 20th century to distinguish it from the yellow, less sweet variety which predominated in the market at that time. The word yam comes from the African nyami, which are true yams and are not grown at all in the United States. Sweet potatoes are native to Central America and have been cultivated for over 10,000 years. Christopher Columbus introduced them to Europe and from there they spread to the rest of the world. An excellent source of vitamin A, C and B6, sweet potatoes are also a great source of fiber. In addition, because of their sweet flavor, adding them to your diet can help prevent sugar cravings. But this is just the tip of the iceberg when, co- when it comes to the health benefits of sweet potato. Some of the most noteworthy benefits include antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, liver-protecting, cancer-protecting, neuroprotecting. Some varieties of sweet potatoes are sweeter than others. Using the moist orange flesh variety often marked as yams reduces the need to add sweetener to recipes. Why would you add sweetener to a recipe? I'm sorry. But a hint of maple syrup can add lots of flavor and some great minerals. According to a researcher at the University of Rhode Island, maple syrup has more than 20 antioxidant compounds that may have anti-cancer, antibacterial and anti-diabetic properties. The researchers believe that because the sap is just under the bark, which is exposed to sunlight, maple syrup contains phenolics, the antioxidants also found in olive oil and berries. It has long been understood that pure maple syrup is rich in minerals and an excellent source of manganese and zinc. Manganese is a trace mineral with a long list of health benefits, including maintaining healthy bones and nerves, synthesizing cholesterol, maintaining normal blood sugar levels, and promoting healthy thyroid functions. Oh, I need to get out and get some. Zinc is an antioxidant and also has heart protective qualities that can slow the progression of arteriosclerosis. Both minerals support the immune system. Maple syrup has also been studied to have potential anti-cancer properties, which we feature in a, pre- um, in a previous article. Maple syrup is a cancer killer. It is actually, and you make a concoction of bicarbonate soda with maple syrup. Watch out when you do it, because as soon as you heat it, which you're supposed to, um, it explodes. Uh, it just expands like mad and when I was doing um, a maple syrup and bicarbonate soda um, remedy for a patient I didn't know this and it just went ballistic and the whole kitchen was covered in sticky maple syrup with bicarbonate soda 
oh god it took me ages to clean it it took me days it was everywhere when it went over the cooker terrible um yeah okay Maple syrup is unique to the northeast region of North America. Canada is the biggest producer and the United States the biggest consumer, although production is only one-fifth what it was 100 years ago. Uh, how much maple? I would go for a spoonful, actually, uh, a dessert spoon. The process of making maple syrup comes from a tradition to the North American Indians, who made incisions into trees with their tomahawks and condensed it into syrup either by plunging hot stones into the sap, causing excess water to evaporate, or by freezing the sap and removing the frozen layer of water. Many consumers don't opt for pure maple syrup because of its more expensive price tag and settle for maple-flavoured syrup or pancake syrup, which is often full of high-fructose corn syrup. As with any concentrated sweetener, maple syrup should be used sparingly pure maple syrup. So it's definitely better to splurge on the best quality if you can afford it. The following simple recipe from the Frugal Gourmet Cooks America by Jeff Smith combines sweet potatoes with richness of pure maple syrup for a traditional Thanksgiving dish you can enjoy all year. Maple candied sweet potatoes. Five medium sweet potatoes, aka yams, half a cup of real maple syrup, one tablespoon butter, one teaspoon of organic sea salt, quarter cup of apple cider. Boil the sweet potatoes in their skins until nearly cooked through. Cool slightly, peel, slice and place in a baking dish. Bring maple syrup, butter, salt and apple cider to a boil and pour over the sweet potatoes. Bake at 300 degrees Fahrenheit, uncovered for about one hour, basting two or three times until the potatoes are glazed and the syrup has thickened a bit. Enjoy and have a wonderful meal. So, five medium sweet potatoes, aka yams, half a cup of real pure maple syrup, one tablespoon of butter, obviously organic, ideally, you know, sheep or goat, one teaspoon organic sea salt, quarter cup of apple cider. Boil the sweet potatoes in their skins until nearly cooked through, Cool slightly, peel, slice and place in a baking dish. Bring maple syrup, butter, salt and apple cider to a boil and pour over the sweet potatoes. Bake at 300 degrees Fahrenheit, uncovered for about one hour, basting two to three times until the potatoes are glazed and the syrup has thickened a bit. There you go. I hope you enjoyed that. At least it's a bit more cheerful than the topics we had before. There will be more... Um, but I think we'll probably um, cover more of these horrendous topics um, in the new year. Next week, uh, it's a pre-record and I will be talking about essential oils and what to do with them, particularly if you're uh, cooking. And it's going to be, I'm going to have lots of recipes of, um, yes, with, with cooking with essential oils. Uh, how do we know if it's pure? You need to check that on the label and ask um, that it's 100% maple syrup. But on the label, it should actually explain that it's 100% maple syrup rather than uh, maple syrup plus other things. Also, um, the listeners who have asked questions via Rebel, I have given a partial answer back to Rebel 
Um, so it should make its way to you. I'm sorry it's taken such a long time, but I am so busy at the moment with the most bizarre things coming into the practice that uh, I'm, I'm trying to keep up. I will have a more full answer at some point, um, probably between uh, Christmas and New Year, not at this precise moment in time. But maybe the, the partial answer will already help you a lot. So quickly, if you have more questions, um, please send them to me via email at isabel.foxborough.co.uk with Dr. Isabel's rants in the subject line. I for India, S for Sierra, A for Alpha, B for Bravo, E for Echo, L for Lima, L for Lima, E for Echo, at F for Foxtrot, O for Oscar, X for X-Ray, B for Bravo, U for Uniform, R for Romeo, G for Golf, H for Hotel, .co.uk. Isabel at foxbro.co.uk with Dr. Isabel's rants in the subject line. Um, have a wonderful week. Uh, sorry that we had some controversial themes today. But I think it's really important that we know what, what doctors are doing with us when we're under. And what doctors are doing with us generally, we have to be aware that they're not necessarily working in our interests. And fortunately, they are um, more often than not looking at the money rather than the patient. And as my one of my patients said today, well, you look at the whole of me, the consultant I'm going to see tomorrow is only going to look at part of my heart. There you go. Don't forget, spin, hug a tree, or barefoot, of course, and don't forget that healthy apple. You're simply the best. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.